0: Since the Garden of Eden that's been Satan's lie We need to confess how much we've been blessed We need to thank God We need to thank God
1: for all that we have across the world
0: of gain while the righteous drown in a river of pain sometimes it seems God doesn't care that the wicked get wealthy while his people despair there's an appointment that all men will keep those souls without God they won't like what they reap We consider therein and wages of sin. We need to thank God. We need to thank God for all that we have,
1: the cross, the word, and the blood.
2: Samuel chapter number 13 and I told you when I left this morning if we were back here good if not it might have been a different uh, thought but the Lord's going to allow us to continue on here tonight second Samuel chapter number 13 and I hope it's been a help and a blessing some have already said man is ready for another portion so I'm going to give you all I got uh, tonight we did not get to sort of get finished it sort of took a little bit of a detour Lord give me a few more thoughts this afternoon and uh, so I just want to share this as we finish this up, where we were at this morning, looking with the help of the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter number uh, 13. A lot of times when I read a lengthy passage, I, I don't have folks to stand. Normally I would, and uh, it's, not a, it's not a deal that where you stand to reverence me, but we do stand to reverence God's word. That's what they did over Nehemiah's day when he broke forth the bread of life. All the people stood up. Platform was there. The pulpit was above the people. Why is the pulpit above? Well, it's a biblical thing. You study the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, and you'll see uh, that that's why we do what we do today. By the way, everything we do ought to be based on the Bible. It is. This is somebody. It's been said many, many years ago. I've seen on signs and everything. The Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth, that's pretty, that's pretty doggone good. It really is. And the Lord gives us a lot of instruction. There's some instruction we don't like, but uh, nonetheless, God gives it to us. And, and boy, it pays to be biblical. Why is that, preacher? Because God honors His Word. He esteems His Word above His own name. That's why we better make much of the Word. You know, your Bibles don't need to be laying in the floorboard. Your Bibles really don't need to be collecting dust. They're there for a reason. There's people over in different parts of the world that would give a limb to have a page or two. How many copies have most of us got uh, in our homes and sometimes it's the most neglected book that we got. Some folks rather pick up some kind of novel, some kind of love story. Man, it's got it all in the Word of God. But here's the difference in, in this book and other books. This is not just the words of God. It is the Word of God. And there's a difference between the words and the Word of God. It's authoritative It'll change us, it'll cut us, thank God it'll comfort us, it'll change us if we'll allow it to get into our heart. What does Psalm say? I will hide that word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Boy, the word of God is powerful and it'll help us. Sometimes it cuts us, sometimes it chaps our behind, but it'll always help us and thank God for it. 2 Samuel chapter 13, we'll begin reading. We'll continue on this stalled and I guess sort of a series of messages. On the life of David, and boy, it's been a lengthy deal already, and I've already added to what I originally thought the Lord would have us to look at. We began looking at the adolescent years of, of David, where he was watching as a shepherd and warring as a soldier, and then waiting on the sovereign Lord from that first anointing till those, that last anointing where he was king over Israel and then we looked at his adult years he was running from Saul a vast majority of that he was ruling with a golden scepter he started that in Hebron for about seven and a half years and then for the last 33 years he was there over all of Israel in Jerusalem and we understand all of that and we see the nine times that he inquired of the Lord he so he spent uh, those adult years requesting but he also done some robbing you say what he robbed well He robbed Uriah of his wife and his life. He also robbed himself uh, of some joy in the future. One of these accounts we read about this morning and on Wednesday night, and we'll read again tonight. But thank God he spent a lot of his adult years reviving. Psalm 51, boy what a beautiful illustration of forgiveness and that that whole context of Psalm 51 was based on the forgiveness that David received. All of us ought to rejoice in the Lord. You say man the Lord's been good, he sure has. He forgave my sin. He forgave your sin based on your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ when you called on him and that's something to be gracious about something to be thankful for and she just a, a part of that where it talks about it there in the book of, of um, Lamentations, where his mercies are due every morning. Thank God for those new mercies every morning. The mercy, if it was not for those new mercies, we'd all be consumed. We've got a lot to be thankful for, but David spent those adult years on into uh, his ancient years reviving and pinning down a lot of the Psalms. We'll look at that later on, but that ain't the message tonight. Tonight we're dealing, he's on the throne. And there's a lot of time that have elapsed from chapter 12 to chapter number 13. If you just read along, you know not everything is in chronological order. By the time you get to the end of chapter number 12, the war with the Ammonites has been going on. And that previous chapters where were Nathan confronted David of his sin that we read about in 2 Samuel 11. And, and a lot of things have went on. His baby died uh, as a result. That was a judgment from God as the Word of God lets us know that. But then he went in to comfort his wife Bathsheba, and she conceived and bare a son, and named him Solomon. And Solomon was born, and I believe there's been many, many years that have have passed from the time that point till you get to chapter number 13. And when we look at this, notice with me in verse number 1, 2 Samuel 13 and verse 1. The Bible said it came to pass after this that Absalom the son of David had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, And Amnon, the son of David, loved her, and Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. And Jonadab said unto him, Lay thee down on thy bed, make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight that I may see it and eat it at her hand. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house and dress him meat. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down, and she took flour and kneaded it and made cakes in his sight and did bake the cakes. She took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Have out all men from me. And they went out every man from him. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber, that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made, and brought them into the chamber to Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. She answered him, Nay, my brother, do not force me, for no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly, and I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, speaking to the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. Howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she, forced her and lay with her. Now let's pray. Father, we bow God in your presence, Lord, again Tonight, just reminded of our choir and the special music, Lord, you are good and you are gracious to every one of us. And Lord, I just want to bow and say thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the precious Word of God. And Lord, I ask that you'd add a blessing to the reading of it. I pray that you'd help us tonight to glean some things. I pray that we'd leave out of here stronger. I pray, Lord, if there's sin that needs to be dealt with, I pray that you'd do it. Pray if there's conviction that need to be taken place. Lord, you're gonna to have to do it. Pray that you'd honor your word. Help me to decrease it. Jesus may be increased and lifted up. Save that sinner that's nearest hell. We'll give you thanks. We'll give you praise for all you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. All God's people see. Amen. Well, we've read this passage again as we did this morning. I do not apologize for reading lengthy text of the Bible because it is important... Uh, For us to see what thus saith the Word of God. Now, we're going to continue on this whole theme of this as we look this morning the devouring sword. You can go back to chapter 12 and verse number 10 as a result of David's sin, the Bible said this through the mouthpiece of Nathan unto David, 2 Samuel 12, verse 10, now therefore the sword shall never depart. From thine house. We looked on Wednesday night, that little baby died. Then you'll see where Amnon dies later on in this chapter. Then Absalom dies with her in chapter number 18. Then you get to 1 Kings chapter number 1, and you'll see where Adonijah. Uh, where he had died as well. All of those were lambs of David. Remember that story that came and David said, Hey, the fellow that done this is going to restore fourfold lambs. Well, he sure did. God judged David because of his sin, and he touched his children. You can say, Well, I just don't agree with that or whatever you want to do, but I'm telling you, that's what the Bible teaches us. And, sin is far reaching. Many preachers have said this. I said it again this morning. Sin will make you stay a whole lot longer than you want to stay. It'll make you pay a whole lot more than you were ever intending and wanting to pay. There's a heavy price for sin. I mean, God dealt a fatal blow to sin on the cross over 2,000 years ago when the perfect Lamb of God hung between heaven and earth. Why did God do that? Because He loved us so much. But there's a Heavy, heavy price for sin. And there's consequences to sin. Again, in our day and age, we don't really like to be corrected. We don't even really want to talk about sin and transgressions and iniquities. But listen, the Bible is crystal clear. We think about our country. I love America. I don't want to be anywhere else but I look at the filth and I look at the wickedness and I say, man, how in the world could God bless America? Yet He he still has. He's continued to have His hand upon America. Now how much longer? I don't know. I'm not a prophet of doom. I'm just stating the fact tonight. It's Probably, well, I'll go further than that. It's going to get worse. One day it's going to get worse. They say, well, we need to pray for peace, man. There'll never be true peace until the Prince of Peace comes again and sits on a literal earthly throne. You don't have to speculate where he's coming to. Zechariah 14 lets us know he's coming to the Mount of Olives. Boy, then that mountain's going to cleave, and he's going to usher him right in to Jerusalem. That's where he's going to rule and where he's going to reign. But until that time comes, we're going to have to deal with the sin of Problem, But there's an antidote to that, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. We've looked at this, my point tonight being, David was a man after God's own heart. I've said this numerous times, and I'll say it again, sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes we get too big for our britches spiritually. We think, well, you know, maybe he's talking to somebody else. No, I'm talking to all of us. David was a man after God's own heart. If he could fall into this grievous sin, commit two sins, that he was worthy of death with adultery, and then indirectly dealing with the murder of of Uriah. Listen, if David could do that, a man after God's own heart, who do I think I am? (laughs) Who do you think you are? But don't you start trusting this old flesh. Don't start trusting your seniority as a child of God. Yeah, man, you get your eyes off of Jesus, and friend, you'll drift away. It won't be long. Sin will be at your doorstep. I promise you that. And David is dealing with that. Remember 2 Samuel 11? There was a time when kings go forth to battle, and David tarried, steal it. At Jerusalem, friend, if you get off the battlefield, you're, you're a easy picking and an easy prey for the enemy, the devil. And that's what David did. He should have been on the battlefield. But he tarried, and that's where he fell into that grievous sin. As we label this morning, I'll try not to belabor the point, but just get this. We look in verse number 1, we seen the princess. Who was the princess? Well, it was none other. Then a lady by the name of Tamar. And as I told you this morning, you can go back to 2 Samuel, chapter number 3. In verse number 3, we understand that Absalom was the thirdborn uh, for David there in, in a place called Hebron. And we know according to the Word of God that Absalom and, and also Tamar were full-blooded uh, relatives. I mean, they were full-blooded uh, brothers and sisters. Now, Amnon... Was a half-sister. We looked at uh, his mom was a Jezreelitis, where Absalom and Tamar, their mom's name was Mekah, and she was they 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 come from a king Talmai uh from Gesher. We can see that in the word of God. You can go back to 2 Samuel chapter number 3, and the Bible tells us, but I'll just hit this. We see in verse number one that she's referred to as fair. But by the time you get to the end of what we just read verse 14, she went from being fair, Brother Kevin, in verse 1, to verse number 14, she was forced. She was forced, unsuspecting of her half-brother's attempts. Again, I'm going to be gentle tonight. I know we've got tender ears, but it is what it is. We look at the Word of God. We understand, according to verse number 2, that Tamar was a virgin. You can look at verse number 19. She had a garment. Of many colors, so that was important for two reasons. One, she was a virgin, so David, being the king, he would have protected Tamar. She would have been in that private place there in the palace. She would have chaperones around. Why you think Amnon said, "Hey, all the men leave," because they weren't suspecting their her half brother to do anything unto her. But she had chaperones because of her virginity. She was recognized with that garment of many colors as the king's daughter so she was fair we see the princess but we also see the progeny in verse number one again you look at that word p-r-o-g-e-n-y you know what that means progeny is a descendant or an offspring amnon was the firstborn of king david the bible said in verse number one there uh, that an amnon the son of david loved her that's the last part of verse number one how do we know that Amnon was firstborn? Well, you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse number 2, And under David were, born son, were sons born in Hebron, and his firstborn was Amnon of Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. Here was the heir apparent to take the throne, Amnon. You got the princess. Again, her full brother is Absalom. David was their father. Their mother was Mekah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Gesher. They had royal blood on each side of that line. Talmai was the king of Gesher. David was the king of Israel. That bloodline, they had royal blood running through them. So we see the princess, we see the prosody, but we look this morning. I didn't get past this point, the perversion. The perversion of what went on. Notice in your Bible in verse Number 2, the last part of verse 1 said, Amnon, the son of David, loved her, so he's loving his half. Sister, then look at verse 2, the perversion. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. For she was a virgin, and Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Why did he think it hard to do anything to her? Because, because of her virginity, she was protected. There were chaperones all around. She couldn't go anywhere nobody recognized because she had that garment of many colors. He's, he has he's got made himself sick thinking about her in a sexual manner, and in a sexual way. And listen, when you think about perversion, i give you that definition. It's worth hitting again tonight. When it comes to perversion, that's sexual behavior or desire that is considered abnormal or unacceptable. Now, I'll be honest with you, that definition would probably change in 2023. <laughs> what is normal? What is acceptable? depends on who you asked. But in the eyes of God, in the eyes of God, this is abnormal. This is absolutely unacceptable. He's going after his half sister. Go back to the Word of God. Leviticus chapter number 18. The Word of God's crystal clear to Leviticus 18 11, The nakedness of thy father's wife's daughter, begotten of thy father, she is thy sister. God was talking about that half brother, half sister relationship. Thou shalt not uncover her nakedness. But Amnon, again I said this morning, his birthright wouldn't wouldn't satisfy him. You look at verse number eight, he had a house. Here he is, I mean he he's the king's son, he's heir apparent, he had everything at his disposal, had all the advantages, had all the resources, had all the wealth. But listen (laughs) One's house doesn't determine your behavior, it's one's heart. That's what determined who he was. He would not deny himself. In spite of all his advantages, he wanted the one thing that he could not have. You know, that's what got the devil kicked out of heaven. In the beginning, Lucifer was created perfect until iniquity Was found in thee. That's when he said, "Man, I'm going to exalt myself like the Most High, and I'm going to be like God." And I'm paraphrasing. Then God said, "No, yeah." And he kicked him out of heaven. Boy, I'm telling you, there's a lot of a lot of folks. Pride has destroyed a lot of people. But Amnon's birthright wasn't enough for him. He wanted more. And think, I hit this point. It's worth noting again tonight. As children of God, when we get saved, there there are two births. If you've only been born one time, you need to get saved tonight and get birthed into the family of God. If you've only been born once, friend, you're on your way to a devil's hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels. But Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter number 3, it wouldn't if if you want to or, or if you feel like it. No, he said you must. That's an absolute necessity. You must be born again. You must be born from above, you must be regenerated. You say, man, what in the world's regeneration? That's imparted eternal life to those dead and trespassing See, the day that I received Christ, Brother Brandon, I was dead as a doornail spiritually. But when I called on the name of the Lord, hallelujah to God, the Holy Ghost moved inside of me. And I became a child of God. I became a son of the living God. And I was born again. I was born for the second time. The first birth was physical. I can't remember that the second one, man. I can't forget it. Hey man, I can't forget it. My sins were forgiven. But how many of us are saved? We've got that birthright. Our ticket has been punched by faith in a place called heaven. But we want more. That birthright ain't enough. And we get into trouble when we lose our focus. We get to thinking about things we ought not be thinking about. And we talked about that this morning. I ended up right here. And we're going to hammer here. It wasn't completely done. But we're going to finish up. When you, think, With the help of the Lord, we're a product of our thoughts. I said that, and it's worth hitting again tonight. We're a product of our thoughts or our thinking process. How do you know that? Well, this is what the Bible said. Proverbs 23 and verse number 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he? We read that scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 5. It said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, wait a minute. You know what would have helped David in 2 Samuel 11? Again, if he if had been on the battlefield, he could have missed out on that temptation. But think about this. When he first saw Bathsheba, Brother Kevin, the first thing he should have did was cast down that imagination. Because he saw her in an unholy way. You know what would have got Amnon out of this situation? When he saw Tamar, if he hadn't looked, but he did look. If he hadn't lingered, but he did linger. If he hadn't lusted, but he did lust, he should have cast down those imaginations immediately. Don't even let them take root up here and in your heart. And our, listen, we are a product of our thinking and of our thoughts. We talked about this, and I finished up right here, about our thoughts being controlled or being uncontrolled. You see, a control, Brother Harold, if we control our thoughts, we can have victory and we can be a victor. But if we don't control our thought process... We will become a victim. Amen. A victim of our own our own sin. If if we don't control those things. You know I thought about this. This is what I thought about this afternoon. Just very simply, I was riding down the road. I didn't write it down until I got here, so y'all chill out. I wasn't writing and driving, wasn't texting and driving. But when I got here to church, I just jotted a few things down. When it comes to uncontrolled thoughts, you know, there's just a few I'm going to hit tonight. We'll be done here momentarily. When you think about uncontrolled thoughts, it will cause us, number one, to lose our feet. To lose our feet. And all these start with L and F, and I got five of these, and we'll be done. Maybe. But we'll lose our feet with uncontrolled thoughts. You say, hey, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, listen to this. Now, you can just jot this down. Psalm 73 and verse, Psalm 78 and verse, well, I, it is Psalm 73, sorry. Psalm 73, verse number 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. Listen now. My steps had well nigh slipped. The psalmist is saying, man, you know, I, I was doing pretty good. But my feet, had I, I began to lose my feet. Well, why did he lose his feet? Well, this is what the Bible said in verse 3 of Psalm 73. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men are. Neither are they plagued like other men. And let me tell you what's happening here. The psalmist has looked out and he, he, he's trusted God and he looks at all the wicked and he sees how it seems like they're prospering and, and man, they've got strength. You know, God's people have trouble and it just seems like they're, they're going on never having any problems. And you know what happened? He had some uncontrolled thoughts go through his mind. As a result of that, he testifies under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God that his feet were almost gone. In other words, if we don't control our thoughts, those uncontrolled thoughts will cause us to lose our feet. Well, how did he get his feet back? I'll tell you how he got it back over there in verse number 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. Thank God there's a place on the side of the road in East Bend, North Carolina. And there, listen, you can have your little private place where you read your Bible. I encourage I encourage that. But thank God for a place where you can come to the house of God, you can hear the songs of Zion, you can hear the word of God preached, and it'll help you, man, when you begin to lose your feet and your thoughts become uncontrolled. I'm glad you can get yoked back up and you can get hooked back up under the King of Kings and the Lord. And listen, you don't lose your salvation, man, but you can lose your joy and you can lose your steps if you got uncontrolled thinking. Amen. Uncontrolled thoughts will cause us to lose our feet. It also caused us to lose our first love. Remember over there in Revelation 2, you probably know this well, the church in Ephesus, there's seven churches Jesus addressed in Asia Minor, the very first one was a church in Ephesus. And the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 2, he talked about some things. They were a scriptural church, a suffering church, and all that, but they were a sad church. Revelation 2 and verse 4, Jesus said, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Left. Now left is not an accident. Left is intentional. They had intentionally left their first love. Well, what caused them to do that? I mean, they were serving, they were doing. They would call this the mechanical church. They were just sort of going through the motions, but evidently they got to thinking about other things and got their, their, their thoughts off of the Lord. And you get your thoughts off the Lord, man. Those uncontrolled thoughts will cause you to leave your first love. Well, how do you get it back? God dealt with their mind. You say, hey, no, the very next verse, in verse number 5. Well, look at verse 4 again of Revelation 2. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. There's a rebuke, but here's the remedy. Remember. How do we remember? We remember with our mind, with our thought process. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. A lot of folks don't like the word repent. That's a turn from the direction you're going and going the other way. So where you bump into God and you turn His direction. You go the direction He wants to go. But God said, Remember, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of His place, except. Thou repent. Two times in that verse number five, he talks about repentance. He said, if you choose to do your own thing, you keep following your own way. And listen, you've done left your first love. You've done that because of uncontrolled thinking. But if you'll remember, get that thought process under control, man. God said, hey, I'll bless you. I'll help you. But understand, if you don't, he said, I'm going to remove your candlestick. What's that? He said, I'm going to remove your effectiveness as a local church. And God will do that to a local church, and He'll do that to an individual. A man that's saved, that has these uncontrolled thoughts, it leads to losing our feet, Psalm 73. It leads to leaving our first love, but it will also, uncontrolled thoughts, will lessen our fellowship. Lessen our fellowship. What are you talking about, lessen our fellowship? I believe it'll it'll lessen the fellowship between believers. Uncontrolled thoughts, yeah, sure it will. Don't tell me you ain't never thought ill will toward somebody. <laughs> we all have some point or the other. Or maybe a little thought. You, you listen, you gotta, I, I often say this, and this is right. If you're in any kind of, I don't care what you do, any kind of ministry, you better have a short memory. Amen. A short memory. You also better have a short fuse. <laughs> You better have a long patience, by the way, too. I mean, we ought to sort of like it. God is long-suffering. With us and being in any kind of leadership, you've got to be long-suffering. Again, it sort of reminds me of this. It's sort of like, I mean, we're compared to sheep. We're not compared to, to cows. You know, you can't. It's hard to lead a cow. Man, I load up a bull on Monday to today, and I got to take him to Turnersburg. And I got a log chain. That boot was so big, I ain't kidding. You. The top of his head was about right here. And they ain't, much, they ain't much driving them, brother Adrian. They ain't much leading them. When they're that big, they're going to pretty much do what they want to do. But you know what you do with cattle for the most part? Most time you'll drive them, but you've got to lead sheep. If you're in any kind of leadership, you're going to be hard-pressed if you're driving all the time. Yeah, man. You've got to lead by example, and you've got to do that. And again, you've got to have a short memory. Because, listen, thoughts will get in your mind, and, boy, the devil will let that stuff. That's why when those thoughts come into your mind, casting down imagination, those imaginations and thoughts that go through your mind, because most of it ain't even real, but that's where it's birthed at. That's why God said to cast down those imaginations, amen, or they will turn into something. We think about it it'll lessen our relationship, and it will with believers, but think about the relationship of God. Remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? I mean, they were created in a perfect world and still monkeyed up. We'd have done the same thing. But listen, after they eat of that fruit in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7, and the eyes of them both, that's Adam and Eve, were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, how'd they do that? Had uncontrolled thoughts. God told them what not to do, and they did the very thing that God told them not to do. You know, you see a pattern throughout the Bible. That's how we get in trouble. When we do the opposite of what God says, do. We get in trouble. And that's what happened right here. And their eyes were open, they're naked, so they go and they get these leaves. That's the first picture of religion found in your Bible. What did they do? They tried to cover up their sin. <laughs> That's what religion will do. For man, if all you got is religion, you're on your way to hell too, by the way. It takes relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, plus, minus, nothing. Thank God for that relationship. But here's religion. But look at verse number 8 of Genesis 3. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walk in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, what made them hide? Amongst the trees, uncontrolled thoughts. Amen. Fear, yes, they had sinned, yes, they had transgressed, but it lessened their fellowship with God. Why did they eat? Of that tree, they believe the lie of the devil that they'd be just like God's. It man, it all started with that unholy thought process. And uncontrolled thoughts will cause to lose our feet, like Psalm seventy-three. It'll cause to lose our leave our first love, Revelation chapter number two. It'll cause to lessen our fellowship, Genesis three. But it will liquidate our future. We're talking about uncontrolled thoughts still. And it's a problem every one of us going to deal with, probably dealt with it today or this week. If you hadn't, honey, you better put it on credit. We put everything else on credit. You better put this on credit. Something's coming down your pipeline, and you're going to have an uncontrolled thought. And it's going to be up to you. What are you going to do? You're going to cast down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Are you going to do that? Are you going to hold captive every thought? You better, by the grace of God, because these things will happen to an uncontrolled thought process of an individual. It will certainly liquidate our future. And that word liquidate has to do away with. Again, 2 Samuel 11 verse 1, when David saw Bathsheba, you know what it started? It started an uncontrolled thought process. I've already hit on that a little bit. He looked, he lingered, he lusted, he stayed there until he had to fulfill the that desire it start, he should have cast down that imagination. But you know what he did? He liquidated, or in other words, he done away with his future. Why, is he, why are we reading about 2 Samuel 13, about Amnon violating his half-sister? It was a result of the sword shall never depart out of your house. You see, it all comes back to this word see. That we don't like to deal with. But it's a fact. It's a reality. It serves as a warning to the child of God today. David was not a lost man when he committed this. He was a saved man out of the will of God that was that was basically going through life with an uncontrolled thought process. And he liquidized, liquidated his future. You can go to the prodigal son in Luke 15. Luke 15, in, in verse number 12, he came to his father and requested uh, of his, his father's his inheritance. He said, give me. But then you get to verse number 19, after he wasted all, he said, make me. As one of the, thy hired servants. And the Bible said when he came to himself, you know what? Well, during that uncontrolled thought process, he lived out in sin. But finally, he got sick and tired of being sick and tired. He said, you know what, it's a whole lot better back at my father's house. He came to himself, he said, I will arise, I will say to my father, I have sinned against uh, you and, and, and against heaven. And he did that, he came back. But that uncontrolled thought process changed in the midst when he came to himself. Then it was a controlled thought process. He had tasted the life of sin. He knew that the hog pen and and the muck and the mire and there's many that have said, hey I don't care what the Bible said, I don't care what the church said, I don't care what the preacher said I'm going to do my own thing and you have that right. But rest assured man consequences do apply. David the prodigal liquidated, gave away their future. But here's the fifth thing about uncontrolled thoughts it'll cause you to live in filth,
1: <laughs> now,
2: I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand tonight. How many of you like filthy stuff? I won't, I won't even, We won't even get into that. Garrett and I went down to Greensboro after after service this morning. We stopped at one of those Japanese restaurants. One of them had cook in front of you know. Someone, like, boy, I've never preached on gluttony, and it sure wasn't going to be tonight. I sort of had to waddle, you know, getting out of that place. But you know what, if you'd go in and you've seen a bunch of old goop, and I don't mean to be gross, just a bunch of old stuff, do just plug ears for just a minute. I know you get a little nauseated, but understand, you get a little goop or something around a table, and, and maybe they come in, and, and boy, this is Christy's pet pee. If you go into a restaurant, you, she always wants to know what time they close. She don't want to be close to, to closing because they're in there sweeping. And those dust particles, you know, you can't see but you know they're floating everywhere. You ever get one of those demonstrations with the rainbow, you know, where they go around, and and they show you all them dust particles floating every which way. Nobody likes filth, especially when you're trying to eat. But you know what uncontrolled thoughts will do for us? It'll cause us to live in filth. Perfect examples in our Bible tonight, we look at this man by the name of Amnon, the heir apparent to the to the throne. 2 Samuel 3 and verse number 2, he's the firstborn of David. He's the one that's going to sit on the throne. But that birthright wasn't enough. He looked at, he looked out there and he didn't cast down that imagination. He had to be with Tamar, his half-sister. Although Leviticus 18 and verse number 11 condemned that. He was not to uncover the, the nakedness of his half-sister. And that's exactly what he did. Now remember Tamar was a virgin, so she's protected. She's got chaperons. We understand that verse 19 said that she had this garment, many colors. She was recognized as the daughter of the king. Notice as we read, look at the perplexity here of Amnon in verse number two. And Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin. And Amnon thought it hard for him to do anything to her for the reasons I just suggested. Because of her virginity and that, and that colored garment that she had, she was well protected as the king's daughter. But verse 3, but Amnon had a friend. And boy, a friend like this, you don't need many enemies, by the way. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, almost preached on a bad friend, because if you read that backwards, it's, it's bad. But understand, Jonabad, the son of Shimea, David's brother, and Jonadab was a very subtle man. This was the first cousin of Amnon. Look at verse 4. And he said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Wilt thou not tell me? And Amnon said unto him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Here, man, he leaned from day to day. What does that mean? He, he, he wore it out on his sleeve. They could tell John Dab said, man, there's something wrong with you. Finally got it pulled out of him. He said, hey, I, I love my half-sister. Dab knew what he was talking about. It was had to do with a sexual nature. But notice the proposition in verse number 5. And Jonadab said unto him, lay thee down on thy bed and make thyself sick. And when thy father cometh to see thee, say unto him, I pray thee, let my sister Tamar come and give me meat and dress the meat in my sight, that I may see it and eat it at... Her hand—that was a proposition from his first cousin. He understands that Amnon wants to be with Tamar. He's leaning from day to day. He's wiring it on his sleeve. He's just consumed with because he's living uncontrolled thought life. He's getting ready to live in, you know, living in filth starts right up here, and that's where it started. He ain't got to the filth part yet, but listen, the, the plan's unfolding, and now he meets his friend. I'll remind you, Proverbs 27, verse number 6 said, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceiver." This was not the faithful wounds of a friend. This was a kiss of an enemy. Well, friends like this, I'd say anyone in our lives who makes it easy for us to sin... You're certainly not much of a friend. <laughs> I'd beg you this, you better seek godly counsel. Amen. If you've got marriage issues, don't go to somebody that's been married 10 times. Amen. You better go to somebody that's got, I mean, some, some patience, some season, and some Word of God that'll take you to the Bible. I'm just simply saying, you. I mean, if you're dealing with some kind of uh, drug problem, I understand you say, so well, these folks have been helped and it's in their past. And I get all that. But I'm just saying, you better make sure you seek wise, godly, righteous, holy advice. He didn't get it. Jonadab said, here's what y'all do. Well, what did he do? Notice the pretending in verse number 6. So Amnon laid down and made himself sick. There's probably going to be a message coming on that. Amnon laid down, Brother Harold, and the Bible said he made himself sick. There's a lot of people make themselves sick. This wasn't a real sickness. But you know what he was doing? He was pretending. Stay with me now. So Amnon lay down and made himself sick. And when the king was come to see him, Amnon said unto the king, I pray thee, let Tamar, my sister, come and make me a couple of cakes in my sight that I may eat at her hand. The Bible said he made himself sick. In other words... He was pretending that he was sick. You know, you study your Bible, go all the way through. The Bible warns and, and talks about pretenders throughout. Matthew 7 and verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. you got to beware of those false prophets that pretend. you got to be able to do the, the spirit and the sword test upon them. Hey Amen. You better, you better use some discernment. But then there's folks, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said there'd be others that'd pretend about their own salvation. Matthew 7 and verse 21. Now this ain't what I said. This ain't what the Baptist doctrine teaches. This is the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of Lords, the line of the tribe of Judah. This is what God said concerning folks. Matthew 7 and verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. You know what that means? God said they some that's gonna pretend. That they got it, but they ain't never got it. Amen. Don't be a pretender. But we know that Amnon was a He made himself sick. He's following that wicked, ungodly, unholy advice from Jonadab. Notice as we move on, look at verse uh, number 7. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go now to thy brother Amnon's house. Again, Amnon had a house. He had all these advantages, yet he wanted the one thing he couldn't have. So David tells Tamar to dress him. He, he, he's oblivious to what's going on. Tamar is oblivious to what's going on. Now think, if I thought about this, Brother Brandon. Most of the time, if, if you're sick, most of the time being in her position, she's got chaperones all around her. She's got this garment that's colored. She's in a favored position. She's got everybody around her. Most times, time, somebody else is probably cooking for her, Brother Kevin. But imagine the princess coming, And she's just doing as the king has asked her. She didn't think a thing about going in unto her half-brother. He's sick, or he's pretending he's sick. She makes these cakes, and we see that unfolding. But look at verse number 8. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, and he was laid down. And she took flour and kneaded it, and made cakes in his side, and did bake the cakes. And she took a pan and poured them out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said... Have out all men from me. Why why did he say that? Again, you've got to go back to verse number 2. The Bible said he thought it hard for him to do anything to her. Why? Because she was so well protected. She had a hedge, but that hedge was taken down through deception, through Deceit, this uncontrolled thought life, is getting ready to come to fruition. Amnon's getting ready to live in filth. Not only, A lot of folks say, well, my sin just affects me. Are you kidding me? Amnon's sin not only affected him, it affected Tamar, it affected David, brother their mama, affected Absalom, it affected the whole kingdom. Sin is far-reaching. The devil said, just go ahead. It's okay. Go ahead. That deception, boy, when when that when that adder bites, when that serpent bites, son, it bites, and it bites Deadly and lethal He should have all men out from me, and they went out every man from him. Verse ten. And Amnon said unto Tamar, Bring the meat into the chamber that I may eat of thine hand. And Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them into the chamber of Amnon, her brother. And when she had brought them unto him to eat, he took hold of her and said unto her, Come lie with me, my sister. Now God put up some warning signs right here to Amnon. They should already have been there. But he, this unholy thought process, he's so deep in. He's living in filth. He's not going to be changed at this point. But God still gives him another opportunity, a couple of them. Look at verse number 12. And she, that being Tamar, answered him, Nay, or in other words, no, my brother, do not force me. For no such thing ought to be done in Israel. Listen, Israel was to be the light. It was to be the lamp of the world. They were to point others unto the Lord. She said, No such thing ought to be done in Israel. Do not thou this folly. And I, whither shall I cause my shame to go? She was a virgin. She was protected. She had this garment on, this colored garment that she was recognized as for her virginity, no doubt, and also that she was the king's daughter. The Bible goes on to say, "And as for thee, thou shalt be as one of the fools in Israel." Now, therefore, I pray thee, speaking to the king, for he will not withhold me from thee. In other words, she's saying, "Listen, if you want to be with me so bad, ask daddy. Go ask daddy." She's just trying to get a way out. I don't think she wants to be uh, mad. She knew the Word of God. I believe she knew Leviticus 18, verse number 11, that it was, that it was ungodly for her nakedness to be revealed. This one last attempt, Brother Brandon, she should go ask Daddy. He'll not withhold me from thee. But he refused. See that unholy or uncontrolled thought process. He thought about that filth and he dreamed about that filth. He lusted and he lingered about that filth until he finally got it in his grasp. Can you see that picture? Can you see it with me tonight? Here he is, he's got, he's got her, but God put up all the stop signs. He knocked every one of them down. A lot of times we'll do the same thing with that uncontrolled thought process. Those uncontrolled thoughts, if you don't cast down those imaginary, you got to put up a stop sign, and we get so accustomed to knocking them down, nothing will hinder us and nothing will stop us from doing that filthy and wicked thing. Well, the Bible said in verse 14, Howbeit, howbeit he would not hearken unto her voice, but being stronger than she forced her and lay with her. Forced her. She went from being fair in verse 1. To being forced, in verse number 14, started right up here with those uncontrolled thoughts. And it caused Amnon to live in filth. Think about this, as sister Caitlin is coming. You could use that last phrase from verse 16, from verse 6 to verse 14, you could call that the plundering. You know what it means to plunder? It means to rob of goods or valuables by open force. That's exactly, exactly what Amnon did to his half-sister Tamar and it'll catch up to him later on and listen God you know the the wheels of God's justice grind awful slow but they grind sure and they grind finally it took two years Bible said Absalom didn't say anything good or bad to Amnon but that was his full-blooded sister Tamar the only thing standing between Absalom and the throne Being heir was a man named Amnon that had forced his full-blooded sister into this relationship. And Amnon plundered it. You know, true love does not shamefully defile the one they love. Amnon was not driven by love. He was driven by lust. That it all goes back. I labored here this morning, I've labored here tonight, wasn't intending this morning for to really focus on these uncontrolled thoughts. But there's a lot that goes into this. That's how it starts. But you just hold, if you could ever memorize a scripture, you ought to memorize. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 5. Casting down those imaginations. When that imagination goes through your mind that person that hurts you and you think evil of them, man, you ought to learn to cast down that imagination or you'll live not in victory with controlled thoughts, but you'll live as a victim and victimized with uncontrolled thought life. And if you're not careful, you end up living in filth just like the king, the soon-to-be king, the heir. He gave up his birthright, all of his advantages, all of his resources to have the one thing that God said you can't have David certainly was partially responsible for the Bible said in 2 Samuel chapter 12 verse 10 Nathan hit the nail on the head now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house can you imagine with me what it was like living in King David's house brother Brandon imagine the the pomp and the glory and the majesty and all that The many wives that David had, the many children that were running around, the the many chaperones, the many servants that were there in and out of the palace all those years. But there's one thing that probably every one of David's children remembered. They probably remembered the day that caused David to stumble. It was well recorded. You see, when Nathan came in 2 Samuel chapter number 12, that thing had been hidden for about a year, his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. But now it's exposed. Everybody, front and center, gets to see what's going on. Listen, his family was not exempt. You'll read a little bit later in chapter 13. Look at it. One of the reasons Absalom rebelled and despised his father was when David heard about what Amnon did to Tamar, he was displeased, but he did nothing. Nothing. No discipline. No rebuke. Absalom saw that. No doubt he rebelled. But think about this. Amnon, Adonijah, Solomon, all of them knew that David, although he was a man after God's own heart, they could look at the trophies and in all the battles, all the spoils of war. Look at all the trophies that he had in the palace. But yet that one stain on his life kept popping up over and over and over again. Imagine living in that house. Amnon, I'll leave you with this. Amnon did not... I don't think he aspired to live in filth in five minutes. Are you with me? Amnon didn't get that way that we're reading about in 2 Samuel 13 overnight. It was a process of time. Parents, how much more do we need to make sure that we live a life that as much, and listen, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, how much more should we live a life that's pleasing unto the Lord because there's little eyes that watch us. There's little feet that follow in the path where we're going. And we're training them more than we even know that we are. I mean, we're showing them the way, whether it's right, whether it's wrong. And listen, Amnon was personally responsible to God. But they're dealing with this according to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 2. It was a direct result of the judgment of God because a sword would never depart out of David's house for his sin. The next time we think about doing something contrary to God's word, we better consider our thoughts. If you want to control them, you can be a victor. If you live uncontrolled, you can be a victim. That's our choice. That's up to us. We stand all over the house tonight. Let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord. I know we've went into extra innings tonight. Lord, I've tried my best to preach the message you placed on our heart. I've done my best to empty myself the message of the hour. God, would you help us, Lord, and this day and hour in which we're living to help us to see these principles that are found. The life of Amnon, the life of David, help us to see the seriousness of sin. I pray for that one tonight that is living in that uncontrolled thought process. Lord, some may just be right on the cusp of, of disaster with the decision they're getting ready to make. God, I beg you, Lord, help us to focus Second Corinthians ten five To cast down those imaginations to control our thoughts. So it won't be a victim, but a victor. Lord, we'll be careful to give you thanks, to give you praise for what you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry. that has been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole council of God to a lost and dying world to equip the saints of God for service and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments we meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God we meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat-and-meat service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation, they prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah sixty four and verse six says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter two. The Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you are loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 in verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter sixteen, and verse thirty and thirty-one. He asked Paul and Silas, He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Romans ten nine said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it, no one can do it for you. Romans 10:13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, and if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us and we will send you some free literature to help you in a newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.